just realized I didn't have my microphone on about a minute ago. So there were these two rabbinical students, and they were caught by their rabbi gambling and uh, uh, drinking in the company of undesirable characters, and they were called into the rabbi's office the next day, and they both confessed to having done this and having given in to their weaknesses, and they admitted that they deserved punishment. So the rabbi thought about it, and he went into his kitchen, and he brought out two bags of dried peas. And he said, I want you guys to put these peas in your shoes. Walk on them for a week to remind yourself how hard life can be uh, when you turn away from the law. A few days later, the two students met. One was limping. He, he had circles under his eyes. He, he was exhausted and, and wasn't really looking that great. The other seemed like he did just two days before. And, and uh, hey, said the first, how is it that you are walking so freely? Didn't you do as the rabbi told us and put the peas in your shoes? Of course I did, said the other. How could I disobey the rabbi? He started to walk away. He paused, and then he said, but I boiled them first. <laughs> Life is a journey, right? And, and sometimes it feels like we're walking on dried peas, and sometimes it feels like we boiled them first. I mean, our experiences as we go through life are, are different. Uh, we have, we're, we're on a journey of years. We're on a journey of experiences. We are on a journey of losses and gains, a journey of failures, a journey of successes. We are all on a journey. And, and many years ago, uh, Sarah and I embarked on a journey. When we were much younger, we were much more athletic. She's looking at me. <laughs> We went on an event called the Warrior Dash. It's very similar to a Tough Mudder, if you're familiar with a Tough Mudder. Um, this particular race was a 5K. There were 15 different obstacles to go through or over. And, and the worst part about it was it was held at Copper Mountain Ski Area in the Colorado Mountains. So I don't know, what is that, 11,000 feet? It's pretty high. Um, we, we went over walls. We went through culverts. Uh, we even we went through mud. We even jumped over fire at the end of that that race. Uh, we worked on conditioning for several months before the race. Okay, I worked on conditioning <laughs> before the race, um, and and it was a journey of sorts. And when we crossed the finish line. Uh, in addition to the burning of our lungs and our legs, there was joy. There was joy, yes, joy of the accomplishment, the joy of running it with friends because we went all up there together, the joy of being healthy enough to run such a race, and of course, the joy that it was finally over. Right? I mean, that there is love. Um, even in an event like that, there were things to be learned. There were things to learn about our character. <laughs> there were definitely things to learn about our marriage and things that we needed to work on. And um, I mean, all the time, she's just in this for, for the fun of it, to run it. And I'm, you know, thinking in my head, we got to... <laughs> she said, when, for all of you up there in the balcony that couldn't hear her. I at least wanted to beat some people. Um, and, and yes, we did beat people. We weren't, we weren't dead last. 
We were second. No, no, we were. <laughs> that was a struggle, though, because my personality and her personality in this race, it was that there were parts that were not so fun. You know, that silent night that we, we looked at last week, the joke at the beginning, there were some silent moments in the race. Because I'm like, come on, let's go. And she's like, uh-uh, ain't happening. Um, there were spiritual lessons to be learned. Of course, there's discipline, character, patience, persistence. Even in that activity, there was interaction with Jesus. Um, there was a powerful sentence in our bumper video this morning that, that I really want you to ponder this week. I want you to write it in your notes, um, write it in that section where, um, in, in the introduction there, as, as you have made your way through the many life's ups and downs of your journey. The, your journey, which has molded you to be who you are today and will continue to mold you into who Jesus wants you to be. Ponder, ponder this. That journey was always leading you to Jesus. That journey was always leading you to Jesus. There is a wonder of joy waiting to be experienced this Christmas when we realize, when we realize that this road that we are on always intersects with the Savior who was born for you. Your journey Regardless whether it's been hard or easy or, or comfortable or uncomfortable or a struggle, there is joy when we realize that Jesus really is the Lord and Savior of all. He is worthy to be pursued and worthy of all that we have to offer him once we come into his presence. This, this is what the wise men ultimately found when they followed the star that led them to the promised Messiah. Now, it was a difficult, arduous journey for them. There were many perils along the way. It cost them time. It cost them resources to find this child. But in the end, it was worth it because this journey that those magi, those wise men went on, brought them face to face with their Savior, with the Creator. Now, after miles upon miles of searching and persevering, the star in the night ultimately guides them to the Savior who had been born in the stall. Imagine, imagine the emotion. Imagine the reverence and the awe that they experienced when they were, after all of these days and probably months, they've been traveling to find the Savior who all of these prophecies spoke about, and they found him and they worshiped him. I can't even imagine the abundant joy that they felt when they finally got to the end of that journey in search of the baby Jesus. That is the very same Jesus that we can be and that we are in relationship with today. Their account is told in Matthew's gospel. If you would please turn to Matthew chapter 2. We'll read through this account. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah, where was this Messiah to be born? And in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wow. What a journey that they went on. They saw his star that they knew the prophecies about. And some say, well, how did they know those prophecies? Well, Daniel was a part of, of their nation at one time. And Daniel left them and taught them all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And when they saw the star, they set out. And, and it, I think it's important that, Herod, uh, that we note that Herod asked, when did you see the star? Indicating that is likely the day that Jesus was born. They set off, they make the trip, they find him. They present their gifts, they worship him. They're in the presence of the Savior. And then what happens? When, when Herod realizes that they didn't do what he asked them to do, he kills every two and under baby boy in the town of Bethlehem in hopes to kill this king who he's afraid of. That's where, that's where I'm getting the timeline. As, as the wise men departed from the one they had invested, so much to seek. I gotta wonder... How many times did they tell that story to other people after their experience? Do you ever have something that's just crazy amazing that happens to you? And, and every moment in time somebody mentions a word that's even related to the story and the experience, you're telling them about it. I think that's what the wise men did. That, that, that star would have been so bright that, that it wouldn't have been hidden from Everybody in the region, everybody probably, if they were stargazers, looked up and wondered, what is that bright light? What is it doing there? Why is it there? And then here come the magi to tell them. They, they likely shared the good news of their storied encounter with the Christ child to anyone that would listen. To anyone that would listen. They set out on a journey with a purpose. And they found it in this baby who had been foretold by the prophets of old. You see, Jesus came from heaven to earth on purpose. He came at the right time. Conceived by the Holy Spirit to the Virgin Mary, he fulfilled hundreds and hundreds, over 300 prophecies from hundreds of years before. And he did it so with each and every one of us on his mind's eye and in his heart. Yes, we were created on purpose 
for a purpose. I was created on purpose for a purpose. You see, you have been given all kinds of gifts and talents. We are all unique. We all have different personalities. You know, some of our personalities really mesh well with others, and some of our personalities don't mesh well with others. We kind of grate on each other's nerves. That's how God created us. Were we created by chance? Did we evolve into what we are today? Have you seen the news reports of, of the, those even farther out galaxies that they're now getting pictures of because they have that new telescope? And now they're convinced, well, I mean, our, our universe has to be billions of years old because it is, that light isn't even to us yet. We can't see those galaxies yet. We have to put a telescope clear out in space so that we can see them. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, I'm telling you, as I read God's word, which is the truth and inerrant, this, gal- this, this uh, universe is not billions of years old. I mean, if, if God can create, why, why couldn't he create that way? I don't know. Uh, th- that's not what this message is about. I'm just kind of musing about that. It, it, just, it is awe-inspiring to me, though, that the universe is so big. Right? God's Spoke that into existence. Spoke it. Ah, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. No, we were created on purpose. You were created on purpose. God knit each and every one of us together in our mother's womb. He formed us. He created us. He told us that he did so. Now, the enemy wants to destroy that purpose. The enemy wants to confuse us, and it seems like in our culture today, he's winning. He has so many people out there confused. The enemy wants us to believe that, we, that, that who we were created to be is up to us to determine. I can decide who I was created to be. No, the, the, the best thing for us to do is to humble ourselves before our creator and our savior and say, God, who did you create me to be? Who, how can I be the best me that you created me to be? And surrender to him. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Read and meditate, write down Psalm 139. If if you haven't read that recently, read it over and over and over this week. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. God is is with us always. God protects us, guides us, molds us. Um, Small asterisk from last week, you know, I, I mentioned during the message last week that it's a pet peeve of mine when people pray that God would be with them, right? Because he he promised us that he would always be with us. And then this person who was talking with me, pointed out that in the prayer that I prayed at the end of the service, I asked God to be with us. It becomes so ingrained in us, this habitual prayer and ending of a prayer, that we don't even realize that we're not really speaking the truth. Because he promised to be with us. We don't have to ask him. What, really, honestly, what I need to ask him is that, that I would be aware. God, help me see you. I know you're here. Help me, help me see you. Um, So I worded all of our points for today in the first person to emphasize the fact that this is truth about you. Individually, personally. 
I, David, was created on purpose for a, pur- for a purpose. I, David, was created to experience joy. You were created to experience joy. Part of that purpose that we were created for is to experience the wonderful joy of a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and that, provides, it, that provides us with, with faith and hope and trust and salvation. And at just the right time in your journey of life, through life, you were saved. See, everything about our journey is leading us to Jesus. At just the right time on your journey through life, it's as if, it's as if the stars aligned just right for you in that moment where you truly believed the truth. I mean, God does some amazing star aligning, doesn't he? Because that's not as... Our culture says the stars aligned. That's God moving in your life and in mine. My prayer this week is that that we would all really take a moment and pause and ponder long enough to see, to look up and see that God has been waiting to connect with us, waiting to help us connect the dots in our life, leading us to salvation to a relationship with with Jesus and maybe today is the first time in a long time that that you've thought your thought to yourself or you've remembered what you once held dear as it pertains to the true meaning of Christmas has has the Christmas story become old to you it's yeah it's the same story but it is as powerful today as it ever has been Perhaps you once walked your path of life in ways that you felt close to Jesus and you were following him, but today, you know, you're just, you're just kind of struggling to, to find connection. Somewhere along that road, you've taken a detour that, that now finds you further from Jesus than, than you were at another time. Where, wherever you are on your journey through life, however difficult it may have been up until now, Jesus wants to give you the wonder of joy this Christmas. And invite you to truly follow him. Just as the wise men were led on their journey by a bright and shining star in the knowledge of the prophecies that moved them to search for Jesus, God used different moments in their life to get them to where they needed to be at the end of their journey, face to face with the Savior. God does that with each and every one of us. And and maybe this morning is one of those moments for you. Maybe today is the moment where you you wonder about joy. Maybe you wonder where it went. Where is the joy that I once had in my life? In addition to uh, being created on, on purpose for a purpose and in addition for being created to experience joy, I was created to trust Jesus as my Savior. As our journey leads us to Jesus, God has a way of helping to give the right direction. You know, sometimes in our path we need this or that, and He is there to provide it. Be that through a star in the sky, as He did with the wise men, or as a as a fellow Christ follower, another believer who is continuing to walk the journey of their life. Literally, a light shining in the Christmas sky or maybe a light shining a a spotlight on parts of our life and pointing us in a new direction. 
a new encounter with Jesus, our Savior. And those encounters shape us to trust him. This is what we see the Apostle Paul doing in Acts 13. If you would now turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. Paul was a missionary. He, he is out to tell people and share the, the, the story and events of Jesus Christ's life. He is intending to shine a spotlight, a spotlight on the paths of people so that they can connect the dots. You ever done one of those connect the dots? Anybody done one in the last week? Almost had you guys. I loved connect the dot things. That's what Paul was doing. He was trying to help people connect the dots. And, and then when they looked after all the dots were connected, there was Jesus. And, and, and Paul wrote down a lot of this information. And, and if, Paul, if, if God, you know, God used Paul in the lives of those people over 2,000 years ago, and he's still doing it today, we have the things that God had Paul write down. We have the letters that God had Paul write to those churches. And, and so many of those letters apply today as much as they ever have. The Apostle Paul's testimony was intended, though, to be less of a star in the sky and more of a spotlight shining into the journeys of our life. God wants us to position ourselves, to, to position our life as a spotlight to point other people to Jesus. God wants us to position ourselves along the roads of life that we walk and live among to help point people to Jesus. And man, if we're not trusting Jesus ourselves, how can we ever begin to share with passion, with truth, with someone else in the hopes that they too would experience the same joy and peace and faith that we would experience ourselves? God wants us to help others trust him. I was created on purpose for a purpose. I was created to experience joy. I was created to trust Jesus as Savior, and I was created to tell others about the journey. No doubt about it. I, it doesn't say in Scripture that that's what they did, but I guarantee you those magi couldn't keep their mouths shut about what they saw and what they experienced. Every convenience store they went into on their way back they told people about this child that they had seen. They told people about the prophecies. And, and, and isn't that what we see happening in Paul's life too? Time and time and time again, Paul, uh, um, God points other people to Jesus in the pages that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Paul shines the spotlight of his life encounters with Jesus on the path that other people have been walking. And he does this to help them see where they have been and how that connects to where they are headed, which leads them to an encounter with Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 13, Paul was not too far into the beginning of his first missionary journey with his friend Barnabas. They were sent out by the church of Antioch in Syria, and they sailed to the island of Cyprus 
to share the gospel with people on that island where, where Barnabas originally called home. So Barnabas is going home. And while they were there, they encountered some opposition and, they, and, and talked about how that was normal. Anytime we do anything for the gospel, there's going to be opposition. Regardless, that can make the joy of worship sweeter and more, and more consequential for true followers of Jesus Christ. As they traveled onward together, it says in Acts chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, what Paul and Barnabas did next after they made it to their destination. Look at verse 14. From Perga they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and they sat down. It's what you did this morning. You came into the sanctuary, into the church, and you sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation, or some translations say encouragement for the people, please speak. Now, in that culture, it was customary for the, for the leader of the synagogue in worship to call on people who were visiting to come up and give them a word. So if you're a guest here today, it's your first time, if you could raise your hand, I'm going to have you come for... No, just kidding. So Paul and Barnabas are, are visiting the synagogue, and they're sitting there, and they offer to give them the floor. I just so happened to offer them to give them the floor, right? And Paul, being Paul, sees the opportunity and he begins by spotlighting the historical road these people had been walking along with their Jewish ancestors towards Jesus. In, in verse 16 it says, So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. All right, all right, all right. Listen up. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then when a powerful arm, then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel, the prophet. Then the people begged for a king. And God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul. And replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized as John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not, but he is coming soon. And I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. That is the first sermon that we have recorded uh, that Paul ever gave. He didn't just give an Old Testament and New Testament 
history lesson either. Paul was shining the spotlight on the historical road of where these people had been walking that led up to this present moment in time that crossed paths with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As N.T. Wright says, Paul is setting up a system of signposts from David a thousand years before to John a mere 15 or 20 years earlier, and all the signposts point to one person, Jesus the Messiah, the rescuer. It is the same Messiah and rescuer the wise men had been guided to and met in person in the early days of Jesus' life. And and whether through a miraculous star in the sky or through an intentional follower of Jesus shining the spotlight of the gospel on the road of people he came into contact with, there is the possibility of a joy-filled miracle of salvation when a person encounters the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never know when that's going to happen. We just faithfully share the story. Faithfully share the story. Faithfully share the story. You see, it's the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ that do the work in their heart. And we never know when that's going to happen. It might be that moment when you, with a surge of boldness and courage, step up in a conversation and say, can I share with you how Jesus has changed my life? It could be that moment That all that God has been doing in that person's life has been leading them in their journey towards Jesus and you are in it. I got a text message last week. I want to share it with you if this works. I think it will. I got this message last week. So, is it too late for offering a testimonial? I'll need a few weeks and maybe a little consulting, but at some point I'd like to talk about my journey. I replied, never too late. That would be great. Put pen to paper and see what you can come up with, then I can start helping you clean it up. And this is what he said, awesome. We'll be out of town this week in Tennessee at a convention. When I get back, we'll get together. Truth be told, When you were joking with pulling names, I kind of hoped mine was in there. I've got a very impacted life from the beginning to now with the power of Jesus working to help me. I think it should be shared. Yes, it should be. Every one of you have a story like that because the most miraculous event that could ever happen on this planet is the saving of your soul. And when you surrendered your life to Jesus, that was the moment that your journey was bringing you to. And maybe you're here in this room today or you're watching online today and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. This might be your moment where you say yes. I've I've looked into God's word and I see the truth in it and 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 I believe And and did you notice that point of truth in Acts 13, verse 17? The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. What Paul is saying is that God chose this people for a reason. These people were to be a witness to all of the other nations 
about who he is. They were to shine a spotlight on everybody's way that would eventually lead to Jesus. You see, God chose the judges to be a spotlight shining on the way that eventually led to Jesus. God chose kings to be spotlights shining on the way that eventually led to Jesus. God chose the Magi who saw the very face of our Savior to be spotlights to their land. And each of these spotlights shining on the road throughout history are not events. They are people. God wants people to be spotlights onto the paths and lives of other people, bearing witness to the truth of the wondrous salvation we can have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is that spotlight as he shines the light on this historical road for his audience to see that their faith journey through history was God leading them to this point, to the right time, to the right moment in time when Jesus would be here? Paul reminds them that God kept putting people in their path to point them to salvation. Prophets, kings. God gave his people judges to lead them until the time of Samuel when the People clamored for a king. God was like, I'm your king. No, we want a human king. Okay, fine. Here's your king. And he gave them King Saul. And King Saul worked out well for a while until it didn't. And then, and then Saul began shining the spotlight on himself instead of his God. And God allowed Saul's spotlight to burn out in a deadly defeat from war, and then he replaced him with King David. And in Acts 13, 22, Paul reminds them how David is described. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, we know that's not completely true, because there were things that he did that God didn't want him to do. But what was David's response as God disciplined him. It was always to be broken and to surrender again. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We screw up. We need Jesus. And God is patient with us. Hallelujah. David wasn't perfect, but he was available and he desired to be used by God to point other people towards him. Read the Psalms that David wrote. Testimonies of God. And we too can be a part of history as we shine our own spotlight in life in the way that only we can. You shine your spotlight into the lives of other people in the only way that you can. God has given you the gifts that he has given you. God has given you the personality that he has given you. God has given you that position at work or in your family or at school. Are you using it to tell your story? That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to use that to proclaim the good news of the gospel. It's what Paul's doing in Acts 13. 
verse 23, and it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Paul then reminds us that this is the same Savior that John the Baptist was preparing the way for. And again, God is faithful to point the wise men to Jesus through a star in the sky, as well as through the prophets who pointed the people within the sound of his voice to the Lamb of God who was born to take the sin of the world. Later, Paul shows his audience where that spotlight ultimately points to. Deeper in the chapter of Acts 13, look at verses 38 and 39, which say, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. It's impossible. But then who can be saved, the disciples said. Jesus said, exactly. It's me who saves you. For Paul's audience, history was huge to connect the dots because first century people wanted to know, is this true? Is this true? Is this real? Was Jesus really the Messiah? Or was he just another one, you know, claiming to be? And how we live as Christ followers, either as a servant or hypocritically speaks volumes to answer that question, is it true? Because if it's really true, how, how can I choose this? If Jesus really did this for me, how can I thumb his nose over here? God used those truths and the spotlights of others to point us in the right direction. Oh man, we are so privileged in the day that we live where we have this. And, and we have the experience of all of those ancestors who have, who have gone before us who lived faithfully, who taught us how to live. And, and those of you who didn't have that, you're in a place where there are people fallible 100%, but who truly love Jesus and are trying to love other people and, and trying to continue to learn and grow in how they love and serve and surrender to their Savior. But there's another question, I think, that our 21st century audiences whom we are trying to point to Jesus want to know and that question is this does it work does it work does jesus work in your life does following jesus make any difference for you does being a christ follower make life work any better is it more fulfilling is it does it add joy does it add peace well the answer to that is yes Absolutely, 100%. Irrefutably, yes. I don't know how many people who I've walked through a journey of grief with, whose husband or wife or child was a believer, a Christ follower, and they had the hope of heaven, and they didn't grieve like those who grieve with no hope, have told me, I don't know how people do this without Jesus. 
We don't have to. You don't have to experience the hardest things you'll ever experience in your life without Jesus. You can surrender your life to him right now, right today. Seize. May we seize the opportunities God gives us to be a spotlight. May may we pray that he would help us identify the opportunities that he has given us. I visited somebody in the hospital last week. And, man, I mean, he didn't look good, honestly. He looked terrible on the outside. But in the inside, there was something different about his attitude. And, and he said while we were in that hospital room, he said, you know what, I don't know why I'm here, but I, I'm sure there's a reason. Well, I'm not going to share all the story because I think he should share it someday. Um, but basically his doctor was a former Christian who now claims that he's an agnostic because of some pretty hard things that happened in his life. And the only reason this person knows of those hard things is because at one moment in time, this doctor sat down in his room and told him his life story. Do you know doctors that do that unless God is working in their heart? And he had an opportunity to share how there's been lots of hard things in my life and there's things that I haven't understand, but I can tell you the truth of who Jesus Christ is. He's the real deal. Honestly, he wants you to come back. He wants you to open the door of your heart to him. Spotlights. Spotlights. Divine appointments every day. Let's be the spotlights. Let's be the lights that shine this Christmas season in the lives of people to the wonders of Christmas to the wonders of the birth, to the wonders of Jesus' perfect life, to the wonders of his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. Because as we are spotlights, we ourselves will experience incredible joy along the way. Yeah, you could, you could focus on the the rejections, which is what the enemy wants you to do and wants you to focus so much on the rejections that you then pull back and refuse to share anymore. But, but it might be that next time that you share that, that the person goes, I believe that. What do I do now? Where do I go? Tell me more. What a joy that would be. I, you, was created on purpose for a purpose. I was created to experience joy. I was created to trust Jesus as Savior. And I was created to tell others about our journey. Let's share our stories. Another plug for sharing your story. If you don't even stand up here and share your story, let's go through And write it down so that when you have that opportunity in a place where you are or maybe are just comfortable enough to share that so that you're ready, so that you know it. The wonder of Christmas and the joy found in Jesus is waiting to be illuminated through your life 
and your story into the life of someone else. Let's be faithful to point people to Jesus. And then let's trust him to connect their hearts with him this Christmas season. Let's close with this verse, John 15, 11. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to believe maybe there's some here today and and they need your help in their time of unbelief. Just as the father who asked if you could heal his son. Help us to, help us to trust you and know that you, you have the power. You have all of the power. Help those who are discouraged in this room to know that, that they can trust you and that, that they were created with a purpose. You just need to ask you and, and do what they ask of you. What, do what you ask of them. And Lord Jesus, I pray that, that there would be hundreds of spotlights popping up all over Goshen County and in our schools and, and, and on our playgrounds and in our colleges and at our workplaces and in our homes. And we experience incredible joy from that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.